Welcome to the Health Leaders Revenue Cycle Podcast. I'm Amanda Norris, Revenue Cycle Editor and Podcast Host for Health Leaders. We have a great show for you today. My guest for today's episode is Susan Grzynski-Wells, Director of Product Management Leadership and Finance for HealthStream. During today's conversation, Susan is going to chat with me about the importance of investing in your employees and even yourself when it comes to continuing education, since cultivating personal and professional growth is so important to revenue cycle success. So without further ado, let's chat with Susan. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, Susan. It's a pleasure to meet you. Good morning, Amanda. It's a pleasure to be with you. Great. So to get us started, would you mind sharing a little bit about your background and how you became involved with HealthStream? Sure, absolutely. I came from a family very involved in healthcare. My father worked for the state of Pennsylvania and they created a pilot many, many, many years ago to work with self-pay patients within the hospital on getting them medical assistance applications while they were in the hospital, getting them started so that they could focus on healing. And I was uh, picked as the volunteer to to start that pilot. And it just cultivated my love for healthcare. Um, from then I went on to work for the Geisinger Medical Group in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, and then transitioned to the Jersey Shore Trauma Center down in Neptune, New Jersey. When I got married, took the, the long trip out to Las Vegas, Nevada, and worked for St. Rose Dominican Hospital in Henderson, Nevada for about a decade until I became a parent and decided I really wanted to be on my child's schedule. So I began teaching and fell in love with education and was able to take the, the staff development that I did as, as a manager within the organization and then train these fresh brains to do it too. So it was always a very rewarding experience. And then started working with, with HealthStream during the, the transition to ICD-10. And it has just been, been a joy to work here for the last 10 years. Wow, that's great. So you have a real mixed bag of experience. That's awesome. I'm sure HealthStream really appreciates that. You have a lot to offer. So how has the great resignation affected our leader's ability to lead? You know, Amanda, I don't think the pandemic has gone without changing just about everything in our lives, right? The workplace. I don't think we could have ever imagined it. I know I'm not alone, you know, looking at reevaluating things. And we've seen the statistics around people leaving jobs to, to align better with their values, right? They're, the things that they want to find meaningful. And then we saw mental health and wellness took on a whole new value in our lexicon. With that, it gave a whole new challenge to leaders. I, I took a look at the, the DDI Global Leadership Forecast, showed that only 35% of leaders indicated they were comfortable handling change. Wow. Isn't that tough in, the, in, in, in this monumental yes, change? Yeah. <laughs> and then simultaneously, 55% of CEOs indicated that developing their next generation of leaders was their top challenge. And I thought that was really tough, right? Putting these new leaders, a lot of them new leaders, into a fairly difficult position, not only for their transition, but people that they were leading. That's amazing. You know, with everything going on, you really need to be able to adapt quickly. So following a period of reduced revenue, why should organizations incur the cost of education? Well, you know, I think when we when we talk about those leaders and leading revenue cycle 
education or leading revenue cycle teams. 49%, according, this is according to the Harvard Business Review, 49% of people that were promoted or changed roles within the organization were underperforming 18 months into the move. And what they found was that there wasn't a lot of onboarding, like on, the traditional onboarding, right? But then, then folks were kind of in this remote environment left to learn, left to be with their basic knowledge. And I think when we take it down to the very basic level, employees are people wanting to find meaning in work and to do a good job. And that everyone is different. And it's important that we, as organizations, provide support collectively, as well as individually, to those people who are on our, our staffs, who are coming to work for us, and those new ones that are coming to join us. And so, you know, when I go, I, you know, I, I started in patient access, when I made my role into leadership, one of the very first things that I had to do was move to DRGs. It was an on-the-job learning experience. It was not something that I had been trained to do. I mean, I read about it, but it was an on-the-job learning experience. And I certainly didn't know what I didn't know, and I didn't learn it overnight. I needed somebody to help me through that. Right. And I turned to education. It's, it's always been my saving grace. It's kind of my my connection to the next step. And I think universally, we all want to be better at what we do and not and know we're not alone in wanting to do that. So obviously, when I re, you know reflect on that, the recovery and the continuity plans that the organizations are going through now, no individual, whether they're in leadership or not, can do it alone. I think existing and emerging technologies have a wonderful impact on the accuracy of productivity. But again, I think we come back to our people. And I think a stable, well-trained and engaged work staff, I know my comfort level is, is great when I'm in maintenance mode. But when we start to introduce these new phenomenon, right, the turnover, the changing resource pools, the virtual environment, I think those start to decrease our levels of comfort in managing our staff, in training our staff. So I think education is crucial to success. You know, having just completed my annual training, I understand the, oh no, right? Here we go again. Um, but I think to, to any extent, we need to foster staff competencies, allow them and encourage them to grow and develop. And it's just an investment into those individuals. And I think we need to offer that opportunity to learn beyond job responsibilities. Right? Thinking of those new leaders, right? Beyond our job responsibilities and influence positive patient outcomes, but also compliance and uh, with state federal regulations. Yeah, that's great. And that's such a great point, Susan. So prior to health leaders, I was a coding editor and I interviewed an ample amount of coders and coding directors and almost always their biggest challenge in the industry is education. And also because they were paying for their own continuing education. So this seems to be shifting, but at the time I was seeing a lot of organizations had their coding, HIM and CDI staff paying for their own continuing education credits out of pocket. A lot of organizations would reimburse them, but some didn't. And I always thought that was so interesting. And it seems like such a burden to the staff, especially since these roles are so important to the revenue cycle. So this brings me to my next question, actually. In your opinion, within the organization, what population benefits the most from education? You know, I think the population that benefits the most is the population that wants to learn. You know, I found myself in the same position you talked about. You know, I was paying for my own CEUs also. 
we just simply embrace education and we love to grow. I think our patient safety is paramount and we strive for those positive outcomes, but we should also look for positive outcomes for our staff and our leaders. And I think sometimes we forget that, right? We're very focused on the clinical aspects, but revenue staff have been covering positions during staff shortages. There's others that want to invest within their organization, you know, basic need. And I think that those that are encouraged to cultivate those leadership skills are a great place to start. But I think education is never a bad thing. It develops newfound confidence in those willing to commit to their own growth. So with all of the revenue cycle management technologies available in the industry, why should an organization invest in revenue cycle training? Because I think technologies are just that. They're technologies, they're tools, and technologies require technicians. And Technicians retire, they change jobs, they change careers, but the organization needs to go on. And technicians are those resources that determine if something's not quite right. You know, those ones that make the patient feel comfortable or heard, and that patient experience is very real. Um, solutions aren't one size fits all. Perfect example, what works for me doesn't work for my 87 year old father. He was pay his bill online. He changed providers after being with him for 10 plus years, because he said, I don't matter anymore. And, and so I think that the revenue cycle team has to understand the value that they represent, communicate that value for the organization. You know, they also need to understand that there are differences in patient needs and expectations, you know, especially during this period of consumerism. And I think this is why we rely on our people and not, not our technologies. You know, when we, we think about complicated resolutions on things or contract negotiations and, and changing regulations that require succession planning, technologies can't do that. We, we need the people. And I think if we fail to invest in our technicians and enforce pipeline growth of capable staff, we're being seriously short-sighted. I think business continuity is built on a well-trained and involving workforce. I think continuity develops from the sharing of institutional knowledge and internal networking. And I think that helps to cultivate a resilient team because it builds connections and supports internal growth. And I think, you know, when I go back to that statistic about onboarding and not being successful 18 months down the road, I think a lot has to do with we're put into a new leadership position, right? And we don't know who we need to talk to. And we, we don't know the processes of leadership. And I think that it's really important that we can have all the tools in the world, but we need those technicians to be able to link things and, and to be the conduit to the patients and the individuals that we're working with. So can HealthStream work with organizations and their education plans? Absolutely, we can. You know, our vision here is to improve the quality of healthcare by developing the people who deliver care. That's why I love it so much. HealthStream has partnered with several leaders in the education industry to provide development uh, across the continuum. And we do have education plans for those new, those emerging, even experienced leaders. We also have you know, education plans around burnout and being resilient. And then also the, the development of revenue cycle individuals, letting them transition into new roles showing them career paths. You know, sometimes I think we get into a role and we don't know where to go from that role. And instead of being stuck in a role or, you know, being resentful because you're always in the same role and the only way up is out, I think if we cultivate the staff, again, we have that ability to 
really grow a workforce and grow a dynamic within our organization. And, and uh, HealthStream has education opportunities for all of those. Well, thank you so much, Susan. It looks like we have run out of time, but thank you so much for joining me and sharing your expertise with us. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you, Amanda. I really appreciate your time and letting me join you. Thank you, listeners, for joining us on the Health Leaders Revenue Cycle podcast. Until next time, keep taking care of your patients, your revenue cycle, and each other.